Since you've been diagnosed with breast cancer, have you looked at yourself in the mirror and said, why did this happen to me? Well, you're not alone. I did too. But this is a time when you're given two choices. One, you let those four nasty words that you've been told, you have breast cancer, stop us from living. Or two, we can take what we're being given to us and use it as fuel on our path to healing, growth, self-discovery, and to bring out the best of us and become the hero of our journey while we get to inspire others to do the same. Join my inspiring guests and me on our mission to help women just like you with what we discovered on our hero's journey through breast cancer. This is a place where we share all the tools and knowledge we've learned to develop the courage, resilience, mindset and self-love needed to start living your full life like you might never have done before. I am Grace DeAngeli and I welcome you to Breast Cancer Hero's Journey Podcast. Welcome home. Welcome everyone. Welcome to today's episode. Now you guys know that I choose to speak to people who not only speak about their journeys through cancer, but they're here to inspire all of us, even myself who's been on my own journey, because their stories not only allow us to see the person for who they are, but also they share their triumphs. They share their good times, their bad times, their really tough times, but the way they come out on top and all stories are different like every person is different. So today I'm going to be speaking to Talia Denny. She's a cancer doula, cancer thriver, cancer health equity consultant, mental health first aider, a podcaster who has dedicated her career to advocating for, guiding, supporting, empowering people diagnosed with cancer. A supply chain analyst in her previous life, she developed a fulfilling career path from cancer patient to founder and CEO of The Other Side LLC, which is the equivalent of PTYLTD for those that live in Australia, a cancer navigation enterprise which provides personalised support using a patient centre and holistic approach. To lay a host, the Navigating Cancer Together podcast, and she has been a guest on numerous podcasts, Authority Magazine, and Thrive Global feature to lay as the authority in the interview series. I survived, I survived cancer, and here is how I did it. Having said all of that, welcome to Leia Denti. Welcome. Thank you, Grace. It's such a pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Now, we've actually had the privilege to to meet several times to the point when I asked, I told my husband, I'm doing a podcast with Talia. He goes, again? And I thought, I could do a podcast. I could talk to this lady until the cows come home because your story is inspiring. But having said that, I can't wait to hear your story because we had the privilege of sharing my story, but now I want everyone to hear about your story. Now, I know my podcast generally speaks to people with breast cancer, but having said that, I've realized that people who are diagnosed with cancer, regardless where it's found, 
go through a very, very similar path. Um, and I want the viewers and, and the listeners to understand this, that it's not just a one-way street. It's all across the board and it's how you can heal yourself. So having said that, Talia, so let us know, share your story of how you were diagnosed and your journey through um, cancer. Sure. So actually, I was diagnosed a year after I actually had cancer. And so I'll start here. Um, I was diagnosed in 2011 with Hodgkin's lymphoma. A year prior, 2010, I went to go get my annual physical. And I had explained to my primary care doctor, I said, you know, there is a lump on the side of my neck. I don't know if it's a pulled muscle because I've been working out so much. I don't know. And um, I just said, is this something I should be worried about? And she didn't look at it. She didn't touch it, anything. She didn't ask any questions. She said, oh, don't worry about it. it it's probably just a pulled muscle, like you said. Wow. Mm. So fast forward to the next year, 2011, it was time to get a physical again. And the lump was still there. And so I, I shared, shared this with my mom. I said, you know, I'm really concerned. I think I need to see a different doctor this year. And so she told me about a doctor um, who was a Somalian uh, doctor. And so I went and, and got checked out by her. At the end of my physical, I pointed it out to her as well. And I said, I've had this lump on the side of my neck for a year now. I said, it hasn't gone away. It's gotten bigger and harder. Can you please take a look at it? And she immediately touched it. She asked questions. And she just had this very concerned look in her face after she touched it and she saw it. Mm. And mm. so she said, well, right away, I want you tomorrow. Actually, I'm going to try to get you in. I'm going to do a referral so you can get in and get an ultrasound. So that is how my cancer journey started. Um, the next day, I was able to get in and get an ultrasound and um, that ultrasound was inconclusive. However, I could tell again by the technician's face that there was something wrong. Mm. So next, I am told that I need to get a fine needle aspiration. So that is where they take a small tissue sample, hopefully with cells that they've collected also. Mm -hmm. And um, they go in and take that small sample. Unfortunately, after they tested that sample, it was inconclusive as well because wow. the sample size supposedly wasn't large enough. Mm -hmm. So finally, third time around, I go in and I have a biopsy. Now, they don't take out the whole lymph node, but they take out a large chunk of the lymph node. And so I would say maybe about three to five days later, I get a call. I'm on my way home from work on a Friday and a nurse called me and she said, um, you have cancer. I'm sorry to tell you that we got your test results back. You have cancer. You have Hodgkin's lymphoma. Wow. And so thankfully I was hands-free, you know, I wasn't holding the phone or anything. And my body just immediately went into flight or fight mode. Mm -hmm. And so I just started asking her all these questions. I said, what do you mean? I don't understand where this come from. What, you know, all these questions. Mm -hmm. And she said, honey, try to calm down. 
She said, I can't answer any of your questions right now. She said, but what I do want you to know is that my husband had Hodgkin's lymphoma several years ago, and today he's doing very, he's doing well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. after I <laughs> hung up the phone with yeah. her, mm-hmm. um, I stopped at the nearest TJ Maxx. And mm-hmm. I just got out of the car <laughs> and I walked around TJ Maxx mm-hmm. because I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I was looking for answers, but I also Mm -hmm. needed to calm my body, calm my nerves. And so I'm just walking around TJ Maxx and the words you have cancer just got louder and louder. Mm -hmm. And so after wandering around there for about 30 minutes, I said, "Okay, I feel like I can drive now. So I drove home and I called my my family and I let them know the news Mm -hmm. at the time. I did not know what I was doing when I said this, but it's one of the best things I could have done for myself. After I talked with them, I said, you know, I know that you have a lot of questions. I don't have any answers. I have questions too. I said, but can you please just give me this weekend to myself? I really need to gather my thoughts. And what I did that weekend, I cried. I prayed like every emotion humanly possible. I think I experienced it that weekend. But Mm -hmm. it's one of the best things that I could have done for myself because it allowed me to get a lot of that out of my system. Mm -hmm. And it allowed me to be able to step into my power that Monday and get on the phone and start making phone calls and setting up appointments without breaking down. Because Mm -hmm. at that point, I felt like, you know, I needed to, I needed to really, really show up for myself. Now I want to I want to back up because I'm sure people have some questions. Well, why mm. did she wait a year? Mm. Why didn't she go to another doctor a year prior? Mm-hmm. And honestly, I felt that something was wrong a year a, a year earlier when that doctor blew me off. Mm. But there was so much going on in my life at that time. You know, I'm trying to climb the corporate ladder. There's so much stress there. You know, I'm trying to support people in my family with different things that they're going through. And um, now that I look back, all of those were excuses Mm. because of fear Mm. and because of self-worth. I should have immediately put myself first. I should have immediately found another doctor and, and someone that would have actually touched me and looked at me thoroughly and who simply would have cared a little bit more. Mm. And so those were lessons Mm -hmm. that I took with me when I stepped into my power and I said, you know what, this is not going to be a repeat of a year ago. Let me take charge of this situation as much as possible. And really that is what set the tone um, for my cancer journey. Mm. So thankfully, I was blessed with an amazing oncologist. We had a great relationship. And what I let him know right away was that I'm a participant in my care. Mm. We have a partnership here. And so I had a lot of questions. I said, I need for you to answer these questions. I don't know much about cancer. You know, um, I was in my early 30s. Mm. at that time. And so, you know, you're out trying to get your career, doing the things you're supposed to be doing according to society, (laughs) you know, (laughs) thinking about family, all of that stuff. And this Mm. was 
this just put a halt to all of that. Mm. And um, it really changed my life um, in a number of ways. Wow. Wow. And, you know, I, I just, I was just writing some things down here because it's just, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said the first thing you did was, um, you know, you needed that weekend to just, uh, you know, release any emotion because it's true. It's anyone who hears those three words, you have cancer or forward, sorry, you have cancer, You your whole life just changes within that second. And like you said, you do. You go into fight or flight. You're thinking, you know, the first thing I remember thinking is I'm, I'm going to die right now, you know. Um, and it's scary. It's the thought because because we don't know what death is, it's a scary thought. So, putting cancer on top of that, it's like a double whammy. Um, so I really like that. And I think it's really, really important you did that. Like myself, like I said, you know, my doctor wanted to sign these forms, yet my husband said, let's sit back and think about this for a minute. The other thing I wrote here was I believe in my uh, my hallucination that that nurse was a blessing that nurse is what you needed to hear from the moment go. Like when she said to you those words, my husband also had it and he's fine. She was sent by, I don't, I, if, whether you believe in spirit, whether you believe in God, that woman was, well, that, well, that nurse, whether it was a male or female, I actually was female because it was her husband. So she was sent from, um, because you needed to hear that. That is the moment you know that, okay, you know what, I'm going to be okay. And it's not because someone else's reassurance, it's because you're not alone. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And those words did kind of pull me back into reality um, because I just had a flurry of questions. And and mm. thankfully, thankfully, like you said, she was someone with empath empathy and compassion. And she knew because, Correct. of course, her husband experienced it. And she probably has to make these calls all the time. Mm. And so that was the best thing that she could have given me at that moment, better than any answers I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And I quite, I wrote also, um, and then I'll ask you a question, but I also wrote that uh, I think it also is important. I always talk about it. My own surgeon says you must always get a second opinion. Um, so even my surgeon, who's highly qualified, highly known here in Australia, has said people should get a second opinion. So that just goes to show you did the right thing by that. But what I was going to ask you, the next question, it goes into my next question is, do you think that had you gone and you got diagnosed a year earlier, do you think you would have been prepared to go through that? Like I know that you said that fear stopped you from getting diagnosed or getting a closer look at what was that lump, but do you do you look back and think, would I have been ready like I was the year after to go through this? You know, Grace, that's an interesting question because that is something – I believe everything happens for a reason and at a particular mm. time for a reason. And, you know, 
I really don't think I would have been prepared. And I say this because of all the other things that, you know, was going on in my life. You know, I'm working this stressful job. I'm working all these hours. You know, I'm trying to support other people in my family that are having their own tough time. And so I think that I don't, I wouldn't have handled it the way that I did a year later. Yeah, yeah. And my plate was full. But what cancer forced me to do was slow down, put myself first, and over time, release things that no longer served me and stopped me from trying to be everything to everyone. Yeah, yeah. And that's what that's going to come into my next question, because what we do is sometimes life has to come and show us uh, because we're too silly to see it ourselves, Mm -hmm. that we don't become self Fish. And when I say selfish, you're not being selfish because you want to be. You need to be selfish in a way because without you, you know, yes, the world revolves without you. I get it. But you're not going to be any help to anyone else if you're not around. So now you're being diagnosed. Um, you've spoken to your oncologist. So what was the next step? What was it? Because I mean, obviously it's different procedure to someone who's got breast cancer. Obviously sometimes they get a double mastectomy done or, you know, a single breast removed and things. Some, some people will actually have to have a hysterectomy at the same time. So what is the process um, once you get diagnosed? What was the, what do you have to go through? So before I answer that kind of clinical question, Mm -hmm. one thing that I want to say that I had to do first was forgive myself. Wow. If I can ask, why did you you feel that was necessary? Because that's amazing. That's beautiful. Because I carried a lot of guilt. You know, Mm. like, man, if I would have just got this checked out and followed through a year ago and just push beyond what she said and push beyond everything else that was going on, you know, maybe I wouldn't have had to do chemotherapy and radiation as long as I did, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe I would have been staged sooner. So Mm -hmm. it it was, there's always that thought of what did I do wrong? And for me, it was like, why did I wait so long? What was I thinking? You know, and as I stated earlier, it came back to, I can say this now as a healthy person, when I look back at it and I'm looking at that Talea in 2011, it had to do with self-worth. And I had to forgive myself for that, you know, and give myself grace in order to move forward and step into the power that I have. So... Yeah. And and I think that's important too, like you said, because, you know, a lot of people think, um, and I, and I apologize because I went back, I went straight into that side, but there is the other side, of course, the personal side, the, the emotional side, the psychological side, the, the soul, you know, I always talk about the mind and the soul. It's not just the body that has to heal. So, and, and it's important, like you said, you know, you, you looked at who you were at the time and forgave yourself and thought, well, this is why, you know, I was climbing the corporate louder. I was trying to be seen. I was, you know, and, and getting rid of all of that baggage or helping does help a lot um, going forward, you know, because we do, we do end up 
you know, carrying that and, and, you know, and you say that it's, it's really important. I really love the way that you said you forgave yourself for not going in a year earlier. Um, you know, and you, why, why did this happen to me? That whole, why me? Why me? Why not you? You know, um, and I mean that in a positive, like my husband said, when I, I remember saying it once and he said, well, who else would you give this to? And I said, no one. So, and this was my lesson. This was my lesson. So what were, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, 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 we'll touch on the, on the medical side, but what were some of the things that you did for yourself? What, you know, like, how did you start changing the way you, you saw yourself? I had to start changing the way that I thought, Mm. you know, and um, for me, that's where the mind body connection came in. Um, because going into it, I said, well, there, there's some other things in my life that need healing also. So why don't I just figure out how to do all this at the same time now that I have this time to really focus on my health? And so I really started learning a lot about mind-body connection. Um, I I believe in God, so I always prayed and things like that. But there were certain things that I created for myself, like a healing journal. I would read that every day. That would help me set the tone for the day, especially on those days where I had appointments or I had to get chemotherapy. Um, I did a lot of positive affirmations and tons and tons and tons of journaling. And that whole cancer journey just helped me to realize a whole lot of different things about myself and that I was a people pleaser. You know, I wanted um, people to accept me and all these other things. And I would really push how I felt to the to suppress really how I felt to make other people happy. And I believe all these different things, trying to be what society says, trying to climb the corporate ladder, trying to make people happy, trying to be all these things um, was making me sick, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. So it had to start with my mind. It had to start Mm -hmm. with the way that I felt about myself and, um, that's how it started for me. Now, once I felt like, you know, okay, I can do this. Like I said, I started making the phone calls, met with my oncologist. That process um, includes a lot of different appointments at first because you have to get staged. So that mm. means, you know, first of all, what kind of cancer, um, what what level of cancer or how far along is the cancer, that kind of thing. And so um, there were different um, blood work tests. There was a bone um, bone marrow test just to make mm-hmm. sure nothing had gone into my, my bone marrow. Mm-hmm. So there were a number of staging tests. Finally, I got the official diagnosis mm-hmm. and um, the staging. And so then my doctor talked about what my options were. Mm. Because Hodgkin's lymphoma is, you know, it's fairly common and they say it's not one of the worst cancers. So Mm. they say if you get any cancer, that's the kind you want to get, but there's no kind you want to get. Correct. That's right. (laughs) I agree. Yes. Yes. And so, um, for, for me and the type of cancer I had, 
the typical uh, regimen was chemotherapy and um, p- potentially radiation. Mm. But um, I think mine was um, level three. Mm-hmm. Um, so because it was three, stage three, um, my doctor recommended that I just follow up the chemotherapy with radiation. Now, mm-hmm. um, my doctor was very forthcoming about a lot of things. We would we would talk about a lot of things. And one thing at the forefront of my decisions was quality of life. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that I could still do a lot of the things that I had done before. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not to the level, but still be able to function on my own. Yeah. And as we know, um, there's so many different side effects from any type of cancer treatment. Mm -hmm. And um, so we talked through those things. And um, the chemotherapy and the radiation, as I said, were pretty standard for my Hodgkin's lymphoma. And uh, he said, you know, I'm pretty confident you're going to be cured. Mm -hmm. And so my biggest concern was being able to have a clear understanding of what that meant. What would, what Mm. did I have to give up? Mm. Yeah. That's profound. Thank you. Mm. It was like, what would I have to give up to get this quote unquote, no evidence of this disease diagnosis. And we talked about a lot of different things like the possibility of a second cancer, um, Mm neuropathy, um, potential lung damage, diabetes. So these are all different things that you have to to think about. Mm -hmm. And um, because I was really healthy prior to being diagnosed with cancer, um, my oncologist felt like, you know, I would do pretty good. Mm -hmm. And um, thankfully, you know, I came out of it with neuropathy and um, hypothyroidism, and that is because of where they had to do the radiation. It actually hit um, my thyroid. And so, right. so far, those are the, mm-hmm. the two things that, um, well, I developed asthma also. So three mm-hmm. things that I um, had to endure to still be here. So mm-hmm. this is an example of you know, different ways to consider your options and think about and ask those questions. How is this really going to affect my health, you know, and weigh those pros and cons? Yeah, I think it's really important, like you said that, because it's not just, you know, like you said, you were, you were a team with your, your doctors, your oncologists, you worked together. You were like, I want, I love the way you said, I want to take part in the healing of myself. Like this is, I, you know, it's like you're stepping up to be the guardian of someone else. So you're saying, right, I need to be a part of this, um, which is really, really important because I always say that don't give, don't give everything to the doctors. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it in a good way. You have to work together. You know you better than anyone better than your mother, your father, your sisters, your brothers, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husbands, your wives, whoever, you know yourself the most. So if you feel like something isn't working, that's where you have to work with someone else and say, hey, actually, uh, this isn't working for me. So um, 
And I wrote that down. What did you have to give up? That was, that's profound. That is really profound. Let me tell you, because a lot of people don't think of it like that. Like I say all the time, a lot of people go, oh yeah, I'll just go do the radiation and the, uh, and the, uh, you know, the chemo and, and then we'll get, we'll, we'll get rid of it. We'll get rid of it. It's not a matter of get just getting rid of it. It's a matter of understanding what's happening, what's happening to your body, what's happening to your soul, what's happening to your heart, what's happening to your mind, um, and you know, and going from there. It's it's important to to be able to understand the bigger picture and not just fear this because I think if you fear it, it makes it worse. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, you know, you spoke about going through the journey and, and, and I'm, and thank you for sharing also, because a lot of people look at just, oh, I'll just have to do 20 rounds of chemo or 20 rounds of radiation. You have to look at the pros and cons. What do you, what do you end up not having or having? Because there's always a side effect of Mm -hmm. some sort. Uh, You know, all women are different. Yeah. Or men are different. So it could be one thing, could be another. Some people lose their sense of taste throughout mm-hmm. it. Some people lose mm-hmm. their, you know, uh, some. I, I, I spoke to a lady who her nails never grew back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Things like that. So there's always a pros and cons. But if you're going to do this, I always say this, speak to your doctor because you obviously want the pros to outdo the cons, not the other way around. Um, So, so you've gone through the, the, you know, you're going through the medical side of things. How did you get through it emotionally, psychologically? How did you go through all of that while you were going through that journey? Mm -hmm. So one thing that was important for me was to still be able to do some form of exercise. So um, as often as possible, I would still go to the gym. And even if I just could walk on the treadmill for Mm -hmm. 20 minutes, I did that. So some form of physical activity several times a week. That was one way. Journaling was another way. Um, there's, it's a good way to just kind of release what's inside of you and not worry about how it comes out. It, it doesn't have to be a well-written sentence or anything like that. The point is to capture how you're feeling at that time to get it out of your system. But then also when you're having those bad days, you can go back and look and see how far you've come. And so that's what journaling at that time did for me. It it gave me the courage and the energy to just keep going because I seen where I started and I was able to see how far I had come. The other um, thing was meditation, um, just calming my nervous system and getting in that place where I did not allow fear to be at the forefront Um, because every time there's fear involved, there's a potential to make decisions that may not be the best for you because you're doing it out of fear. And so meditation, um, the other Mm. thing was really, you know, talking to like my mom and just sharing my honest feelings with her. I will share that I did try to go to um, a support group and support groups at that time, at least from what I experienced, there just wasn't the right group, I felt, Mm. for me. 
I had went to one. I was the only Black person, and I was the youngest person there. And the first 10 minutes, all these people did was complain, and they were very negative, talking about, you know, death and all these things. And me and my cells had already agreed that we wanted to live. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. so I'm like, I'm out of here. I can't. No, this is not the place for me. Yeah. (laughs) that really led me to, again, do more reading about mind-body connection, about uh, meditation and kind of getting um, kind of control over those feelings, not suppressing them, but acknowledging them and letting them go. Because, you know, I, I had to continue to show up for myself. Mm. Um, prayer was another huge factor in my healing And so those are really the things that were able to help me and heal me emotionally so that I could continue on that journey. Mm, And I think it it makes you stronger. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When I say to people it makes you stronger, it makes you realise because what we do is like, you know, you you say you were in corporate America. Um, I was running a, a, you know, a seven plus figure business. And the thing is, what it does is it makes you realize what's important. It makes you re- understand where, you know, um, yeah, that, you know, the thing is you, you, what you're going through, no matter what happens after, mm-hmm. it's okay. Whereas you put corporate America you know, in position number one, I put our seven-figure business in position number one, thinking if this falls to to bits, you know, hell's going to freeze over and things like that. And then once you go through that, you realise what is important. You know what I mean? You start to understand, oh, hang on a minute. And not only that, you start to realise if I could go through cancer, anything is possible. Absolutely. And I say that today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anything is possible. It doesn't, you know, and I, like a lot of people who get diagnosed, unfortunately, the second time, you know, later on in life, whatever, I always say to them, well, do what you did the first time because it worked. Exactly. You know, and you've been through it. So, you know mm-hmm. what? Let's go. Gun high. Let's go. Let, well, you want to, okay. Obviously, I didn't learn my lessons from the first one. <laughs> I'm ready to take the same exam. Let's go because I'm going to pass this time with flying colors. So I always say that. Look at it that way because you've been through it. Um, I was going to ask you about, you know, the first thing I was going to ask you is because you said you journaled um, because that happened in 2010, 2011. 2011. Correct. So Mm -hmm. I was just curious, are you able to look at your journals today and read them? Are they an open wound or are they a scar? And what and what do you get when you read them? What do you get out of them? Mm-hmm. So I am able to still go back and read them. I still at times because I kept a health journal as well. So the questions that I asked my oncologist, all you know, um, results from tests, things like that. I still have all of that. And so it's more of a sore. It's not an open wound for me. And really, it's something that is um, a part of my armor, actually. And so when I get in those really, really tough spots and I feel like, oh, the world is ending, I can just go back and refer to that and say, you know what? This is nothing. 
I got this, I can do this. And those journals today, like you just mentioned, I can go back and I can reflect on something that helped me get through that time and use it today. And so really they're the blueprint for me personally, they are the blueprint of how to get through the storm. Wow. That is, that is, wow. It is the blueprint. You changed your blueprint to a new one. I always say to people, people think that there's no chance of changing who you were to who you, it is. You just change your blueprint. And that is exactly, um, Wow. I, honestly, I, I just got goosebumps. Um, but the thing is too, I was, uh, you know, I was, before I go to the next question, going back with the journals, do you, or would you, or do you use your journals to help others? And what I mean by that, I know it, a journal is personal, mm -hmm. but sometimes the things that we write in journals, we can actually share them with others and we can actually say, hey, you know, during this time, this is what I wrote and I want to share it with you because like we started in the beginning, a lot of people think that they're the only one going through it. Um, so do you go back to your journals and does that help you do what you do today where you support others? Do you reflect or take bits of it and say, hey, this is what I wrote about this? You know, that's a great question. And really depending upon the situation, yes, I do go back and I do share things with people. But one thing that I do want to point out is that um, that has to be approved by the person that I'm supporting Absolutely. because I don't want to position it and make it about me. Mm -hmm. You know, no, no, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so there are certain times where I will, but I'll ask them first, do you mind if I share something um, that happened to me on my cancer journey, very similar to what you're going through? Um, now with, with family, yes, I, I go back and I share those things if they're having mm -hmm. a tough time and they just need some type of encouragement. But when I'm supporting a client, um, it has to be something that we agree upon. Yeah. And and now that's my next question because you've gone to this support group that you said and you felt like, oh, this is not a support group. And God forbid, trust me, even if I walked into that same support group and people were talking about dying and death, I would have I'm out of here because uh, I've got a lot of living to do and uh, I'm moving this way. You guys can stay where you are. That's fine. Um, each to their own, each to their own. Um, but so seeing that support group, is that what encouraged you to then do what you do today and share to people what is the other side uh, on the other side? Because as I said, I love that. On the other side is amazing how you wrote that because it's true. I've been there. We're on the other side of this journey. So how did you get involved with that? What made you want to help others? Well, Grace, that is a great question. And I always say my purpose found me. And um, obviously, what I was doing in corporate America, that was not it. That wasn't right. it. <laughs> yeah. But I had to go through what I went through to learn what it's supposed to be. And so um, I, throughout my cancer journey, everyone was like, you don't look sick. You never complain. My doctor was like, I can't believe how you come in here from day one. You were ready to go. You're prepared. 
all of these different things. And I just kept hearing that throughout my cancer journey. I just, just the way that you're handling this. And to me, I'm like, hey, I'm doing what I got to do. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. Um, and it didn't occur to me until later, maybe about, I would say about three years out of um, treatment and into survivorship. I was working with this lady and of course, um, I was in a new job, different company than where I was when I um, was going through treatment and everything. And this this lady I was working with, she confided in me and she told me she had received a diagnosis. And so I'm like, okay, she doesn't know I have cancer, had cancer, I'm a survivor. She doesn't know, I haven't told anyone here. Mm. And so I said, you know, why don't you give me a call later tonight and I'm, I'm happy to talk with you. I, I'm, I understand how hard that could be. Mm-hmm. So she shared the news with me, what she had heard, what she had been diagnosed with. And I said, you know, um, you, God must have sent you to talk to me. I said, because I'm a survivor. I am three years out and here's what you can expect or what I think you can expect prior Mm. to even starting whatever treatment they recommend. Mm. So I shared that with her. She thanked me and she said, Talia, you just don't know how much you helped me. Now, this was the first conversation Mm. of many. Mm -hmm. So she went, she got stayed, she got the official diagnosis. She called me and we talked about, oh, say, okay. I said, well, here's what's probably going to happen next, even though it's Mm -hmm. totally different cancer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Come to find out that's what happened next, exactly what I told her. Mm -hmm. And so she, every step of the way, she just kept coming to me and I just kept sharing with her what I knew. Find out six months later or so, we ended up with the same oncologist. Oh, wow. (laughs) <laughs> I had never told her who my oncologist was. She mm. never told me. We never even discussed who the oncologist was. Mm. It was more about how do you uh, work with your mm. oncologist. Mm. And so at the end of um, her treatment, she thanked me. You know, she said, I couldn't have gotten through it without you. And she sent me a gift. Oh, and um, yeah. And I said, is what? what is this? Mm. (laughs) Like, God, are you trying to tell me something? And so um, it happened to someone else. Mm. And just out of the blue, this person reached out to me and shared that they had a diagnosis and still the same thing with this person. And then mind you, I'm still going in for my follow-up appointments Mm -hmm. um, and just survivorship. And my oncologist is like, Talia, you know, you look great. What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. I just can't believe how you've handled it. And so then more questions Mm. and more feedback and just all these different signs, I guess, from um, the universe, from God saying, hey, maybe this is why I went through this. And Mm. so that is how On the Other Side came to be. And it's called On the Other Side because I take my experience and I help people get on the other side of cancer. And I want people to know 
right away that there is life on the other side of cancer. Don't give up before you get started. That's don't give up before you get started. That is, that is so, that is so true. And, um, and the thing is, like you said, you know, you weren't even, you didn't even know that you were already at service for Mm -hmm. others, you know, and this is why this is really important because what you went through and you've, and the thing is you can speak, I can speak about, you know, uh, oncologists and radiation, but I haven't done it myself. And this is why I always go to others. Um, and it's not about sharing the scary parts of it. It's about learning more and more. The more you learn about something, the more easy it is to understand and easier to confront on the day without having so much fear behind it. Um, yeah, you get the fear mongols who, you know, will tell you, oh, it almost <laughs> killed me. Oh, this happened and then I this happened. And then, you know, everyone's different. And it's the same, I guess, if you, if you, <laughs> I know it's different when I talk about it, but it's the same about a woman given childbirth one woman could go through absolute 25 30 hours of labor and tell you it was the most blissful magical experience and then there's another lady who's telling you that she wanted to just die there and then because it was the most horrific experience so guys always make sure that everything don't take it as a you take it as a grain of salt everyone is different and don't underestimate yourself you know that you can't get through it and you know and the other thing I wrote here is I always say this as well it's not what you learn is not for you to keep but to be shared it has to be shared um and like you said there is life after cancer there is I love how you said that don't give up before you've begun I think that's a beautiful motto right there um because it's just it's it's amazing so now, the thing is, you know, going back to, you know, reading what you help cancer patients with, you know, there's so much, which I love. Um, but, you know, the thing is, when you say the, the, you know, you say the patient-centered and holistic approach. Now, is the holistic approach, are you getting them to understand more about the, the way that the mind and the body and the spirit works together? Is that what you're doing? So share a bit about that. Absolutely. So um, if I can go back, one thing, you made a great point. Um, When you said having someone to talk to who has been through it, that was another thing that I was missing, Grace. And that was something I knew that if I felt like I needed to have that person and I didn't, that was something other people may have been looking for or wanting as well. Because knowing or having an idea of what to expect. Example four, before you start radiation, before you start chemotherapy, you can mentally prepare yourself. But when you're not sure what to expect, you're kind of going in blindly Mm -hmm. and that heightens one's anxiety. And so Mm -hmm. that is another reason why I am doing what I'm doing is to help ease some of that anxiety by saying, hey, okay, you have your first chemotherapy um, infusion tomorrow. Here's what you can expect. That was something I didn't have. And so that was something I would have loved to have. Mm. And I said, this is probably another reason why um, I need to be doing this. 
Mm-hmm. That's that's so important because, and just touching on that, like you said, you know, the thing is when you don't know what you're going through, it heightens everything. And I actually wrote here because it was something that my surgeon said, some people who are more relaxed and more, yeah. um, you know, at peace with what's happening uh, have a better chance of the cancer not spreading. And she was telling me that one of the things that they are doing or they're thinking of doing is those patients that are very much very anxious, you know, they're really, really anxious, especially when they have to get operated. What they do is they give a medication that they would give someone with high blood pressure so that it calms everything down. And the reason being is because the chances of it while they're under operation, under anesthetic, getting operated, uh, she, it's, and it's crazy how the, 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 the body works. She yeah. was saying even when the person is anxious, has gone under anesthetic, if they're still anxious, the body still has that flight or fight, their cancer actually spreads even while they're getting operated. And I didn't know that either. Mm -hmm. So it's important. Like you said, I think it's like, you know, what you put together is, you know, and I want to, and I want to, you know, get the, the audience to listen to what you do, how you help people, because I think it's really important. It's not just a matter of, you know, okay, well, expect this radiation or expect this it's learning how to deal with it on an emotional psychological side um so you know and saying that so what do you do now like you know I I love that I survived cancer here's how I did it so Mm -hmm. what do you share I know you're there to support you're saying you're there to support the people going through it but what are some you know key things that you do with people when they reach out to you Mm-hmm. And so to answer your prior question, what is the holistic piece? It really is getting that mind-body connection and getting that centered and um, paying attention to what your body's saying, learning how to work through those emotions, feel them, let them go, you know, and, and get in that position of power and realize that you are the expert on you. So, you know, you're, you're, the, you're the captain of this team. And so those are the kind of things that I mean by holistically. Now, Mm -hmm. also, still today, many people are not aware of how acupuncture can help people, how um, massage therapy, yoga, how all these different things can help combat the side effects of, of cancer treatment. And so that is one thing that I educate people on is making sure that they know that those complementary and integrative therapies are there to help offset Mm. some of the side effects. And so that's what I mean by the holistic piece. Mm -hmm. Um, I am not a social worker. I'm not a therapist. So I'm not using all this jargon or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I am talking from real life experience. And essentially, I am walking with my clients. When I work with people, um, it is all virtually at this point right now. Um, Mm -hmm. When I first started, I was, you know, um, physically going into appointments and things like that, but it's virtual now. Mm -hmm. And so I cover several key areas. And um, the first one is, as we've been talking about emotional support, which is Mm -hmm. key. Mm -hmm. People need that support as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. So the emotional support and mindset piece 
then I talk about health and that could be, you know, exercise, nutrition, things like that. What are some areas where they need to kind of improve their health so their body is ready mm-hmm. to get through this treatment that whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not a nutritionist or anything like that, but there are key certain key things that should be in place and people should know about um, while on their cancer journey. Mm-hmm. The other piece is um, understanding their treatment options and clinical trials. If they mm-hmm. are a candidate for clinical trials, clinical trials is not at a point yet where it's a part of standard care. And mm-hmm. so today, many people who are told about clinical trials or even offered clinical trials are affluent people. Mm. Um, they're typically white. And so, um, it's like making, letting people know that, Hey, these are your options. I don't diagnose anyone. I don't say, Hey, you know, um, you should do this treatment or that treatment. Mm -hmm. What I do is I take what their doctor has shared with them, Mm -hmm. break it down for them in easy to understand terms Mm. and go through exactly what I went through with myself in my oncologist, Mm -hmm. think about this. How do you want your quality of life to look? You have small children. Do you still want to be able to run around and chase them, you know, Mm -hmm. play with them, you know, Mm -hmm. do you still want to run a marathon? And so Mm -hmm. these are things that people need to think about when they're considering their options. Mm. And and Mm -hmm. go on. And I was just going to say that is a way for people to make confident decisions, Mm. not feel pressured to go with whatever their family, their doctor, whoever is saying. They're able to make these decisions confidently. They're able to feel good about their decisions and they're able to make educated decisions, not fear-based decisions. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's really, really important because, you know, like you said, the thing is it, that's exactly what someone going through, no matter what it is, whichever cancer it is, it's really, really important to just break things down in small chunks because if you, it's overwhelming. If, you know, and like you said, you've got family on one side that's pushing you, pushing you because they're fearful. They're fearful. That's, that's what it is. They're scared for your health. They're scared. You know, like I remember when I, you know, when I was dying, I didn't get operate until four months or three months later or things and I had my sisters forever stop you know holding it back get operated get operated get Mm -hmm. operated so you've got people from all angles and you got someone who tells you to you know fry red beans in an oven and drink the juice and you know so yeah so you know what I mean so the thing Mm -hmm. is it's knowing that yes there are beautiful options out there everyone is different but it's it's truly true. What you're doing is truly important. I believe that someone really, really needs, like if they're going through this journey, um, I think uh, what you have is what people need. Because like you said, it's not just a matter of being, and, and for you to physically go into appointments, like you said, it's the emotional support. And not every family is, it's not that they don't love you. They're scared. They don't come with you. 
Yeah. Or the other thing is a lot of people think, no, I need to be strong. I need to do this on my own. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, you don't. You you know, it's okay to have someone there. Um, but, you know, so you've got those two different types of people, those that believe I'm good, I need to go on my own, and you've got those that go I've got no support around me, which, again, that's another thing where I got told statistically uh, those that don't have a support group around them or the best people around them their cancer can reoccur or come back and things like that um and um i think it's it's really really important to do that i really do and you know yeah just listen i honestly i can listen to you all day because what you have who you are as a person is amazing but what you do for others now is seriously what is needed uh i i know i think we spoke about did someone ask if you had a book coming up or are you thinking of writing a book because i believe what you have it doesn't necessarily have to be in a book but i think it's like a guide what you have is guiding people here you go and like you said it's not about you but it's about them but here's some tools that i use Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Um, I haven't decided to write a book. Um, I don't know if I will in the future. Um, mm-hmm. I do have a podcast and I do bring on, you know, other people who have, you know, been cancer patients, uh, survivors, mm-hmm. even caregivers. They share mm-hmm. their side of the story. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I haven't um, really written off writing a book. I just haven't thought about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's so important. Um, one thing I want to add is that it's important for people to understand what their options are. And mm. that's a piece of what I do, Grace, because mm. I enjoy that. I'm I'm kind of a nerdy person. So I like mm-hmm. to read all these journals and understand all these things. And that's not for everybody. But that doesn't mean that they don't deserve to have the information they need. And so um, that's why I feel like it's important to provide that as a service for people. I also um, help people find resources. You know, if there's something that they need that I don't provide, I'll find a resource for them. Mm -hmm. So it's getting to that personalized. That's what all of this is about. Personalized to a particular person. Um, Another thing that I talk about with my clients is communication. Mm. That can be communication with your loved one, your spouse, Mm -hmm, your children, mm -hmm. work. A lot of times when someone receives a diagnosis like cancer or any other major illness or disease, Mm -hmm. everyone does this or they look away because mm-hmm. they don't know what to say or to mm-hmm. do. That is the last thing the person yeah. that has received the di- diagnosis needs. Yeah. And so if I equip the people that I work with, with the tools to step out and share with the people that they want to share with what their diagnosis is and, hey, here's, I don't know what I need right now, or yes, I do know what I need right now. Here's what it is. 
you know, and taking control of those conversations. Mm-hmm. I think that will take a lot of the stress off of the person who has to go through it, the diagnosis. And then it'll also help that person to educate the people around them how to talk with them. And, mm-hmm. and that's so important because a lot of people, and I experienced this also, mm-hmm. you receive this diagnosis and people disappear. <laughs> 10,000 percent. I agree. Yeah. And That's... some people, I, I don't think, you know, most people intend to do that. A lot of people are afraid. They don't want to see you go through what you're going through. They don't want to say the wrong thing, but then they disappear. Yeah. I tell when I speak with people's caregivers and family and friends, I say this is the time now more than ever where you need to be a force of presence. Mm. Even if you don't know what to do, just be there mm-hmm. because you don't know how much it would mean to that person if you're just sitting with them in the infusion room. Even if you don't say one word, Absolutely. you're there. Mm-hmm. You're present. And that's what I, I remember interviewing one person who was going through it. And she said the best thing that my friends did was like write messages and say, hi, whoever, I, you know, I'm just thinking of you. I'm there with you. I'm sending you love. You don't have to reply. And they said for them it was beautiful because they didn't feel that, oh, no, even though I feel ill, like physically ill from the chemo radiation, I now need to have to reply to this person. But they knew that that person was there. And like you said, the presence is important because the silence is one thing, um, but then you've got the, you know, you've got the, you got you, sometimes you get the people who are silent, they don't know what to say. Or you get the ones that go, oh, my sister's daughter's friends, uncles, aunties, <laughs> sisters, you know, cousin did this. Or, or or they go, oh, yeah, they had it and then they died. And you're like, you know, uh, I, you know, and it's not that they're trying to be nasty. It's like you said, they're just yeah. trying to make noise because yeah. they don't know what to say. But the other thing that you touched on is a lot of people leave because they're afraid. But I remember when I went through it, the people who wanted the fun, easygoing grace weren't around because it was like, this is serious now and yeah. I can't be there. And it's like, oh, and then the people that you never expected are the ones yes. knocking on your door yeah. asking you, hey, what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. What can I do for you? And it's just as simple as, like you said, just sitting and holding space, yeah. you know, um, one lady that I interviewed, again, the, the reason I use other people's examples is because I didn't go it through myself, is she said while she was, you know, she was very nauseous from the radiation or from the chemo, she just had a friend come in and hold her hair and pass a towel, saying nothing, absolutely no word. She was just there to hold space. That's all she was doing. She was allowing that person to go through that moment, but not saying, oh, you're going to be all right, or just keep going, or better out than in, or anything like that. She was just (laughs) present. Um, And I think, you know, like you said, yeah, it's when a person is diagnosed, you know, I remember saying to my sisters when I told them, 
oh, hey, Grace, how are you? And it's like, oh, whoa, whoa, I'm not dying. So if I was that, you know, that really tough, you know, not to swear, but, you know, that tough shit of a sister yesterday, I'm still that shit of a sister today. So don't treat me any different, you know. Exactly. Um, and I mean that in a loving way, of course, you know, like you just treat me like I was yesterday. I'm not dying. I, I had to say to my sisters, whoa, stop, I'm not dying. So could you just treat me like I'm the same? And mm-hmm. um, and I think it's important, like you said, and it's and I love the fact that not only do you speak to the person going through their treatment or their journey, you're actually speaking to the people around them as well. And I think that's important. So, you know, having said all of this, you know, um, you know, you can find Talia, guys. You know, she's got a website, which I would recommend. I would highly recommend if you're not sure um, of what you're going through, you know, you're having a hard time, you're not understanding something. You know, I think what Talia said, it's really, really important. And you can always reach out to Talia. Her website is on the other side.life.com or Instagram on the other side 17. Facebook on the other side, Cancer Dola, which I'm going to ask you about that, what you mean by that, um, and her podcast, Navigating Cancer Together. Guys, I highly recommend you listen to her podcast because, um, like I said, it's it, it's it's people like you that is needed. Um, honestly, I say this. I'm not blowing smoke. I'm saying it generally because if I know someone, and like you said, if I know someone who's going through a journey and I don't have the answers, guess who I'm going to be referring them to? Mm-hmm. Yourself. Because, you know, like I said, I can tell them so much, but then you can keep going, you know, and, and I think that's really, really important. But Dola, 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 is that, <laughs> how do you pronounce it? Yes. And what is that? Because I saw that before. <laughs> yes. Um, So actually, one thing I do want to point out is that Mm. I don't replace anyone on anyone's cancer care team or health care team. I don't replace anyone. I am complimentary too. And so that's one thing that a lot of people ask me, well, you know, I have a nurse navigator. I have a patient navigator. I'm not that. Mm. I am specifically for you creating personalized resources and support for you. I don't replace anyone. I am complimentary too. So that's why I also say holistic because Mm -hmm. what I provide is more like on the integrative and complimentary side. So just just for those wondering, um, a doula. So I'll start off by saying that um, I first started calling myself a cancer coach. Well, there's coaches everywhere. And I just got so tired of that word being used so often, coach this and coach that. And I'm like, I'm not coaching anybody. <laughs> I'm working with people. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just started researching. I had known what a birth doula was. And I said, you know, let me really break that word down and understand what it means. And so a doula is someone who supports another person through a major life change or significant health-related experience. Mm. Answer, major life change, significant health-related experience. And so I said, you know what? I'm a cancer doula. Yeah. Because I am walking with people. Birth doulas 
mm-hmm. beginning of life. Yeah. Death doulas, they help That's people right. transition end of life. Mm-hmm. Cancer doula, we're focused on the present, hoping you get over that um, thing that's in front of you called cancer so that mm-hmm. you can live your best life and have the quality of life that you want um, on the other side of it. And so that's what a cancer doula is. That's what it means to me. Mm-hmm. And I think it, that's ex- you hit the nail on the head because now that you said the word, you pronounce it the right way, I remembered <laughs> hearing about the death and the birth one. Yeah. And I think that is appropriate because that's the same with me. I don't tell people, I coach people. I just say to people, I'm there as a support team. I'm part of yours. And like you said, I don't take away your support team. I'm just that bonus person. Like I always said, you know, mine, I had a dream team and I always say to people, put a dream team together, your doctors, your family, your friends. I'm just that extra person on the side. And sometimes it's needed. It's needed because yes, you could speak openly to your doctor, but then you're afraid that your doctor's just there for medical side. Uh, Mm -hmm. You can speak to friends and family, but then you think, well, what if I say something? I don't want to upset them. So having someone like yourself, you can actually express what you're feeling. And the best part about it is you don't take it personal. So that person is able to swear, is able to cry, is able to scream, is able to be afraid, whatever is going on and have no judgment whatsoever. Mm -hmm. No judgment. Yeah. They're able to say what's really going on with them. And when they're able to say what's really going on, They're able to get the support that they need. Um, And you made a great point. A lot of people don't share what's really going on because Mm -hmm. they don't want to upset their loved ones or they already feel misunderstood as it is. And so there's so many factors there. And so if people are not really expressing themselves, as you and I both know, that sits in your soul, that sits in your spirit, that suppresses your immune system. You got to get that stuff out. And, um, you know, everything that is shared with me is confidential. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I respect people's privacy. They share what they want to share. And that's as far as it goes. And that's the best thing because, like, you're like there. It's like, you know, it's like it's and I use this lightly because I know that you're not putting labels on yourself, but it's like having a guardian there. It's like mm-hmm. you're a guardian for them. And the one person you can speak to you is your guardian where you can be so totally honest. Um, and I think that's extremely, extremely important to be totally honest. And like you said, I'm sure you're there to allow them to understand if they're holding resentment, if they're holding fear, if they're holding jealousy, whatever it is that they need to express all that out, don't keep it in, you know, uh, let it out. And I think saying that to a guardian and I, and I, in a way I see you as like their guardian, you know, because they can be so honest. Um, Was there anything else you wanted to discuss before we wrap this up? I just wanted to say, if anyone is interested in learning more, I offer a free 30-minute meet and greet. It is not an actual uh, session or it's not an actual cancer doula support session. Mm -hmm. It is 30 minutes where you have the opportunity to share with me what challenges you are facing. And then I can share with you 
how I can support you. If I'm not able to support you, I am very honest and upfront about that. And I try to find someone else who can. Um, and the other thing I want people to know who may be thinking, you know, I, I want to try it. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I request of clients is that they come with an open mind and an open mm -hmm. heart. If you are not open, this is not for you and it's not going to work because you have to be at a place where you are open to learning and trying new things and you're, you're open to stepping into your power because it's about you becoming the gatekeeper of your overall health and quality of life. And that's something I want to help people do. Wow. And that's why I would honestly, guys, I know I talk about my guests because they're all one more amazing to another, but this is why I, I would definitely ask you to reach out to Talea because I see her genuine and I see how authentic you are. I really do. And like you said, you have to be open. Don't go with this journey with fear. Just be open. There are so many tools out there, so many. Um, and, you know, and God, first of all, creator, spirit, he created us to be able to heal ourselves mm -hmm. it's just knowing which people can support you to do that and I think Talia is the best person for the job I honestly mm -hmm. do um it it's always a pleasure thank it's, you I will speak to you forever because <laughs> you. honestly because you you touch the soul you really do and I thank you for sharing your story with our listeners and our viewers. And I thank you for sharing, you know, your service because you are at service for others now. And I know, and I'm not, you know, in Buddhism, they say that, you know, you get, uh, you get, uh, you know, good, good karma. And I know you're not looking for that good karma, but I know that life will look after you because you are now at service of others and you will be looked after for sure. So I really appreciate your time. Um, and like I said, guys, I'm going to have all your websites, everything on the links. They're all below so everyone can tap in and click on anything. If you write a book, um, let me know. <laughs> um, <laughs> everyone writes a book these days. Let's just yeah. write a book, I think. So why not? But then again, you can even write an amazing journal. So I think I have that affirmation too. cards. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, think I have that's those too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you got them to, are you in the, are you creating them or have you created them? I have created them. I actually have affirmation cards and then what I call a chemo companion. And so people go to my website, they can go to the gift shop section and they can find it there. Perfect, guys. Mm -hmm. Do that. Do that because it's the best thing. I remember, you know, whatever it takes when you go into your appointment, whatever yes. it takes to give you that bit of support, like whether it is holding a card that you chose for the day, mm -hmm. whether it is like in my case, I was, uh, I always had my, my uh, amethyst bracelet, you know, everywhere I mm -hmm. went, you know what I mean? No matter what it is, uh, you know, your cross, whatever it is that helps you just 
to get through that that moment but know that you are um powerful within yourself to lay out much blessings you. to you was there anything else you wanted to say before we go i just want to thank you grace so much for having me allowing me to share my story and talk about the work that i do and thank you so much grace for sharing your platform with me and helping to spread the word thank you absolutely i would do it anytime so if there's anything else coming up uh, that you're doing that you want to share you know I'll be the first one to be here to support you on that uh, and make sure that your the word is spread so thank you again and like always guys I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I always say it may you all go uh, you know and and have an amazing day and I send you all so much love and light Thank you so much for joining me. I know you could have chosen any other show to spend your time with today. And I'm really grateful and humble that you've chosen me instead. And I hope I've been able to serve you in any way. You know, I hope this will become your go-to place to help you heal, feel supported and discover yourself along your hero's journey. And if this episode helped you today, please subscribe and share it with someone you know that would benefit from this. As I've learned about my hero's journey through breast cancer, nothing we receive is for us to keep but to be shared. And I hope I can serve you further by sharing some of the tools I've learned along the way. And it's hard for me to share it all in one simple episode. So if you go to www.theangelsofgrace.me forward slash resources right now, you can find a collection of tools that might be exactly what you need to take you on your hero's journey. And given that I don't know if you're listening to this podcast at the start, the middle or the end of the day, I want to wish you an amazing morning, an amazing afternoon or an amazing evening. I am Grace DeAngeli and you listen to the Breast Cancer Hero's Journey podcast. Thanks again for being here. Much love and light.